Uh, good morning, all of you. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. What a known and a blessing for us to begin the day in this style that we can come uh, before the Lord and receive from him. Conduct in the kingdom of God. Yes, conduct in the kingdom of God. Matthew 18, verse 15. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Verse 16. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, and every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Conduct in the kingdom of God. Friends, like we talked yesterday, we, I still remind us that the kingdom of God is at hand. When Pharisees came to Christ with either a mind of tricking him, like it was their custom, so that they find a ground on which to sentence him, to, to, uh, to persecute him, to attack him. So when they came to him asking about when would the kingdom come, Jesus had this to say to them. But if, before he said this to them, I'm thinking... It could be because the reason why they asked that, it could be because they're intending to trick him or it could be true that they didn't understand about the concept of the kingdom of God and they didn't know when it would come despite operating on different prophecies that were given about the future king and the kingdom of God. And of course, Jesus wanting to help them understand that the kingdom of God is not something that will come from far and far and drop in space and place. It is already happening. And he tells them, behold, the kingdom of God is here. And I am here. And therefore, I also reminded us yesterday, those of us who were with us in the morning devotion, that the kingdom of God is in our hearts. And so the kingdom of God is not something we are waiting to come and happen. It is already happening. When Jesus cried, Eroi, Eroi, Lama Sabakatan, at the cross, literally meaning, my God, my Father, why have you forsaken me? At that time, he faced hell. At that time, he was bruised by the serpent, fulfilling the prophecy that was given. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God is pronouncing judgment, over the fall of man, he said, between the offspring of a woman and the offspring of a snake, I'm going to put an enmity. And the offspring of a snake will strike the heel of the offspring of a woman. And the offspring of a woman will crush the head of the offspring of a snake. And so at the cross, yes, Jesus' heels have been struck many times. But at the cross, it is the climax. When he cries bitterly. We saw him worried in the garden of Gethsemane when he cried and he prayed and blood and water came out. Those were instances, but it was climaxed at 
the cross. But it is at the cross when, after having been deserted by the Father, and total darkness covers him, and he faces the utmost pain, and then he gains his superiority, and he tramples down the snake, and he crushes him, and then he brings salvation. And three days in the grave, he's organizing his government. Because out of the grave, yes, on his shoulders, he comes out of the grave with the government, full packed and fragile government to run for the rest of the eternity. And so when he comes out of the grave, this is not the other Jesus you can spit and slap and put a crown of thorns on. This is now a resurrected Christ with the keys of life. Then he comes out. And so he is that king that has started establishing the kingdom. That he no longer writes the law in, on a scroll, but the law is impacted on the hearts of they that believe in him by the member of the Trinity who is the Holy Spirit, whose role is to convict the world of its sin, but also to guide us into all righteousness. Now that we are the redeemed, the forgiven, the set apart, the children of God and the kingdom of God reigning, happening right now. And it is going to be consummated and climaxed on his second coming. The triumphant king of glory. When he comes forth, they who had died long time ago in faith, he will pick their shattered and broken bones. And he, he molds them and he rebuilds them. And they become a great army to reign with him in physical, in space and time. And so that is the climax. Now that we are already into this construction of this kingdom, friends, what is required of us? What is the conduct that we must do? Conduct. Conduct refers to the manner in which a person behaves, especially in a particular place or situation. That is it. So in, in this particular place, the place is the kingdom. Jesus is our king. And for you, the Christians, for you, the church, the set apart, the forgiven, you are the citizens. Jesus has offered you a citizenship by the death on the cross. And when you said yes to him and recognized him as the Lord and the Savior of your life, you look to be a Ugandan, but you are not just a Ugandan. You have a dual citizenship. You are a child of God. This is not your home. There is a better home. You are in a transition. And so as a church, you need to capture that. So, you need to know the manner in which you need to operate. The manner in which you need to behave as a child of God. Like the children of Uganda, there is a way they behave. Different tribes in this nation, there is a way they behave. People who are in opposition, there is a way they behave in order to challenge the government. And people who are in the government, there is also a way they behave in order to maintain their power. But for you as a child of God, there is also a particular manner in which you must behave and conduct yourself. Praise the Lord. It is also a manner in which an organization or activity is managed or directed. Now for you as a child of God, the principles that are set by our king, it is required of you that you comprehend to them because those principles will help to direct your life. So your life needs to be directed. Because without being directed, you can be swayed away by so many lies of our time. Therefore, 
the kingdom of God, friends, operates on a particular code of conduct and principles. Like I mentioned to you yesterday, that the Greek word for kingdom, basilia, is very much connected or related with the Aramaic term meaning the same, which is market. And the primary function and meaning of these words, they refer to the activity of the king himself. Markat refers to the activity of the king himself. And we have already understood and recognized our king, our Lord, and our Savior. Man Jesus is the triumphant king of glory. The book of Revelation, which is a very metaphorical book, a book of full of images and pictures, it begins picturing Christ at one time when they saw him coming, riding on a white horse with his eyes smoting fire. You, you would see power in the image through the scripture. He is indeed that powerful king. Is that powerful king? And so this king has his own activities. The activities that he does for himself and for his people. Thus, in the kingdom, we do what our king does. The kind of conduct is that we do what our king does. What does our king do? Our king expects us to operate in total submission and obedience. Because even our king emulates from someone greater than him. And that is the father. This king at one time, as he's laying the foundation of the kingdom, when he was walking physically in space and in time on earth, he had this to say to his immediate disciples that he was training to be the foremen that are going to help in recruiting more citizens into this kingdom. The apostles. These were men that were trained and mandated and helped to have a deeper revelation and understanding of the kingdom business. And so he had this to tell them in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. The Jews had walked to him and had challenged him. Why had he healed someone on a Sabbath day? Because the Jews have a relationship with the Pharisees like we saw yesterday. For them, they are so much into the law, mosaic law. They are so much into cultural, religious law. But the practicability and the interpretation of the law was always absent for them. They couldn't understand. So they came and asked him, how dare you heal someone on a Sabbath day? This is a guy who had been on the pool for over 38 years. At the pool. Very vulnerable. Government had not helped. And this pool was God provided. It was a miraculous pool. It was not a government hospital. That it is for afraid with all the medicine and the, the health workers. It was still provided by God. You see the grace of God still stands. And then Jesus walks to the pool and finds the man. And he says, what's wrong, man? Why are you here for this long? Do you want to get well? And the man has no faith. He's been eaten by culture. He thinks healing has to come from a particular way. And he says, you see, you look me. When the angel comes, steers the water. Have no one to carry me in. Others have some people to help. I'm that vulnerable. Help us. Jesus says, I know, but do you want to get well? 
and realizing that the man didn't have any faith. Because in some instances of scripture, we see some people having some element of faith and Jesus says, your faith has made you well. But this guy doesn't have faith. And because Jesus, he is the king and he's the king who cares for his citizens, for his children. He understands our needs. Even when we don't know how to pray, even when we don't have that much faith that is going to trigger the heaven to respond, he is a God who understands our weaknesses, our strength, our levels of growth and development. And then he knows he has no faith. He says, okay, I know, I know, you don't, don't mind. Carry your mat and go. And the man who had been there 38 years, the invalid, the scripture called him the invalid. You can imagine when you're driving with an invalid permit, how you hustle with the police, explain this and that. And so the guy was invalid, meaning he was incapacitated in every way. And then he carries his mat, he's excited and he walks. And then the Pharisees and the Jews say, hey, hey, now, this gives us a hint on the quality of leadership that they had at the time. Spiritual leaders who care less about the sufferings of the people, but spiritual and political leaders of the time, they were caring less. And so, Jesus had this to say in response to the question raised by the Jews, why he had healed someone on the Sabbath. So, John 5, 19, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father do. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. You see, that is a code of conduct in the kingdom. The son does what the father does because the father has allowed the son and elevated him to become the king of his creation. And so if the son is doing what the father is doing, so you and I must we do what our master, our king, is doing. And what is our master doing? Our master is caring for the population. So must we. Our master is a master of justice. He's a king of justice. So must we. We must reflect and learn and live his life. And so I do what I see my father also do. So the code of conduct, hashtag one, is what we call three-stage procedure for dealing with sin in Christians and in those who are the citizens of this new kingdom. Now, the three-stage conduct procedure is provided in verse 15 of the text of uh, Matthew chapter 18. Jesus is trying to show us a principle, a conduct that we must follow in this kingdom. Because we are sinners, we are going to sin against God and against each other. Sin will inevitably come. But in case it does, someone sins against you, against your neighbor, against God, what do you do? What do you do? So this is what the principle that he offered. If your brother sin against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. How you need to address the issue amongst yourselves. In this kingdom, we do not run to the earthly courts as a first procedure and remedy. We will first exhaust the scriptural mandate, the scriptural direction that is offered to us by the king himself. These are words uttered from the king himself, Jesus. And so in case it happens, someone sins against you. Walk to him 
and enable them to understand their fault. Why do I call it three-stage procedure? Because it involves going to the guy, and when the guy fails to acknowledge his sin and repent or pay back, then invite other three or two members of a fellowship, of a church, into the matter. And if the fellow refuses, then take him to the church. Now this is the third step. The church is not the world. The church are those in the same family in the kingdom. The kingdom people, the citizens. And so take them to the church. And if the church sits the pharaoh down and they discuss the matter and the pharaoh is not ready to change or repent, then the final stage is throw him away and treat him like a tax collector. Why a tax collector? By then, in the Jewish culture and tradition, tax collectors were the least respected. They, they were like what the people who are cheaters, who are liars, everything, every sort of wickedness. And so treat him like that. Which means at that stage you can choose to treat him like a worldly person. How do we treat worldly people? Take them to the worldly courts. Worldly courts. And let the worldly courts handle the matter. And so Jesus is helping us that we must know that we are in a particular kingdom. If you are in this country and, and you develop an issue, you are not sued in the courts of Kenya. It has to happen right here. Those of you who are following this, this opposition blogger, he was called who? This boy who was always attacking, talking so much about the government issues. Eh? Rumbuye, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Karun. So, Rumbuye, at some point, you, you, you saw all these things happening on different social media, including even on national televisions, making attempts to make sure they deport the guy. But there are laws that govern different nations and territories. So that's why it was very hard to scoop him here immediately. And it failed. Now let me tell you friends, Jesus is putting out this principle so that we understand that there is a full government where he is the king and there is a way how he runs his government. So do not betray him. So you, you, you leave the order, the codes of conduct and you run to another kingdom for help. First exhaust, they are viable ones. So in the above kingdom conduct, friends, the goal, why should you first go to him and then if he fails, you invite two or three more and if he fails, then you go to the church and leadership and why, why, why should you follow all these procedures? Why don't you turn and beat the pharaoh or immediately throw him to the government courts of law? Why? In the above conduct, therefore, the goal is to bring about repentance while keeping general public awareness of the sin to be a minimum. Do not aim at publicizing a pharaoh's weakness and struggle and mistake. And as a church, we are missing there. We, we, we can easily, even things we don't have evidence about, we easily publish in different media platforms. Before we have exhausted the inward built structures given by the Lord himself. So the reason why the Lord gave us this, so that you never know through this interaction and the Pharaoh might be restored back to faith. It can also bring repentance. Therefore, the matter shouldn't be broadcasted to the world. No, it should begin within. This is 
the concept of the church discipline and, and excommunication. It is provided in scripture. Apostle Paul talks about it in one of the letters to the church at Corinth. We have the principles that govern us. So this concept is what we call church discipline and administration and it has the essence of excommunication as well. There is a book that I came about when I was pursuing my first degree at Westminster Theological College and Seminary. So they have a book called Westminster Confession Book. And in that book on page 30, subsection 3, it explains the essence of church discipline. That church censures and disciplines those that have gone in a fault. So church discipline is necessary. It is necessary for many things. Necessary, number one, for reclaiming and gaining of offending brethren. For deterring, now that is the number one, for reclaiming and gaining of offending brethren. That they may be restored through the process of this reconciliation. Number two, church discipline that is provided here by Jesus in his kingdom and government is also for deterring of others from the like offenses. So that if this face we have handled recently, others may not fall into the same. So we deter them from falling into the same offense. It is also necessary, the principle which Christ has offered on verse 15 of Matthew 18, it is necessary for purging out of that living which might infect the whole lamp for vindicating the honor of Christ and the holy profession of the gospel and preventing the wrath of God which might come upon the church because of rebellion. Therefore, if they should suffer his covenant and the seals thereof, those are the sacraments, to be profaned by notorious and obstinate offenders. So that is the essence. According to Westminster Confession, that is the essence of church discipline and administration and excommunication. Conduct hashtag two. Jesus also promotes in this kingdom the conduct of humility. When you see Matthew chapter 18 verse 1 to 5, the disciples wanted to know what it takes to be the greatest in this Jesus' kingdom. They were looking forward. Who would be the greater of all, the greatest of all? And so Jesus answers them on verse 4. You see what he said on verse 4. He answered them by saying, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus is promoting the essence of unity. The essence of humility. In the kingdom of our father, friends, the kingdom of God, yes, it is important that we serve him in humility. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And according to him, a child, he put him, demonstrated, put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like the children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. You will never be given a, you will never be given a green card to be a citizen of the kingdom of God without humility. Unless you turn like a child, why turn? 
Because turn is the, is the word which shows the essence of transformation. So in this kingdom, it is expected of you, brothers and sisters, that you transform. The things you did, you struggled with five years ago, if you were struggling with the 70% sin five years ago, this time you shouldn't be still struggling with 70% sin. At least you should have decelerated maybe to 45 struggle. But you cannot be struggling 80% sin, sinful life. Ten years ago, you are still on the same percentage. You are not turning. You are not changing. You are not transforming. And that is the essence of discipleship. Under this kingdom, we are discipled through God's word. We are discipled through church leaders and ministers. We are discipled through available ministries that have been inscribed in different ministry setups. And therefore, it is important that you turn. Jesus tells them, unless you turn and become like children, picking on the picture of children. So it is important that we serve God in humility. It is the kingdom conduct that we must adhere to. I want you to note this. Jesus made a comparison on children, not because children are supposed to be innocent or sin-free, but because they are dependent upon others and willingly accept from them what they cannot provide for themselves. Therefore, you need to depend on God, your king. As a child depends on others, cannot depend on himself or herself, so must you depend on your king fully, 100% depend on God. Number two, admit that you can never provide salvation for yourself. Because sometimes we get tempted to think that we can devise our own means. Because you remember where we came from. We came from the word religion, Roman Catholicism, where we thought by then, before Martin Luther decided to deter and disagree with the rest, by then it was said that you could purchase salvation. You could purchase the citizenship and you become a child of God in the kingdom by giving too much alms and by observing certain laws and doing certain things. And so avoid that temptation. Admit that you can never provide salvation for yourself. Salvation is solely and primarily provided by God himself. By his grace, he locates you. And then he gives you faith because you, you, you have no capacity to generate faith in yourself. It is the Holy Spirit who generates faith in you so that you respond to external call and the internal call of God. And then you come to him, what we call effectual calling. And then you respond to God and you receive the gospel. So this salvation is solely primarily provided by God. Like a child cannot provide anything for himself. Depends on others willingly. Must you willingly depend on God? You are vulnerable and your freedom chiefly depends on Christ. Conduct hashtag three is also given in verse eight. And if your hand or foot causes you to sin, Cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two legs and two feet and two heads and two everything to be thrown into eternal hell. And so that is a principle which is also talking about in this chapter 18. 
the, the conduct hashtag three is that you must cut off some things that might hinder you from having a citizenship in this kingdom. And what are those things? You know them. And he uses the picture of cutting off. If your leg is going to fail you to become the child of God, chop it off. If your hand is very swift to sin, go to some, go to some workshop where they have these machines. This hand is leading me to hell. Can you please cut it off? Put there the hand, let the plumber switch on and it falls off. You better go in heaven with a limb, with a broken hand than going with two hands to hell. Now, this calls for commitment. God is not saying go and begin chopping, chopping your body parts. But God is saying be willing like, like you need to put your hand on the cut. It is not easy. It's painful. So in the same way, painful disease it from things that would deter you from becoming a qualified citizen in this kingdom. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So willing, do not easily give in. Sin will always encroach us. It will come to you. It will come to me as a missionary and an evangelist and a pastor. It will come to him. It will even come to the canon like him. But we must disease it. Peter says desist and resist him and then he will flee. So we must be willing. That is a kingdom mindset. Don't easily celebrate sin. Don't easily settle. You can fall. You're human. You can fall. But don't settle and say after all, my father is a is born again. I have a reverend. I send a tithe who prays for me every day. His prayers will save me. You need that self-sacrifice and commitment. Let me tell you, friends, the sin is sweet. It is very, very according. Sin is comfortable. But at the end, it leads to destruction. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But this King Jesus, he gives a gift of eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So you need to monitor yourself in that conduct and restrain from all evil as much as you can. Lastly, conduct hashtag four, which is also provided in this text of chapter 18 of Matthew, Jesus also hints on this. Verse 14, he says, So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. This conduct, it, it, it points about discipleship. It calls about a mission mindset. That you would rather leave the 99 and pursue one. Pursue one which is lost. One. On verse 10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that the heaven, the angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the rest that have gone astray? If he finds it, Truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that are never gone straight. So this principle, it calls us to be caretakers, not to be negligent. 
If you come to church every Sunday, there is a particular friend who sits next to you. You have attended, you sit together for three months, you have never exchanged contacts, you don't know anything about that person. If a fellow disappears and you cannot follow them up, you cannot text them, you cannot say, I have not seen you this Sunday, where were you? Are you fine? That is caring for each other. This care is different from pastoral care from us, the ministers and the pastors. Our role is to pray for you, to teach you God's word, and sometimes we follow you up. But because you are so many, you can do amongst yourselves. Be each other's keeper. Jesus brings that knowledge. If a farmer loses one sheep, and the 99 are still on the mountain. Won't he leave with these 99 and descend the mountain to pursue, locate the one that is lost? And he says, I can assure you, if he finds that one, he will be very excited. He will be so glad, more happy than the 99 that he has left on the mountain, which I've never gone astray. You'll be happy for this one because it is restored. And this is the mindset of our king. The mindset of a king is that he intends to make sure he saves each one of us. So mind about those that are lost. And that's why as All Saints Cathedral, we have the mission department. And that's why we encourage you, always save a gift at the end of the month to sow a seed in the mission work. That's why we have the mission department in the entire diocese of Kampala to encourage and impact and train different ministers and churches within the city so that we stay mission relevant. We carry a mission mindset. We don't get lost into the systems of order of service. We stop there. We become inward focused instead of outward focused. Because Jesus' mind is outward focused. Yes, he is inward at the same time outward. Inward in the sense that he wants to disciple, mentor, and make sure that the citizens in this kingdom are very relevant. But also he wants to go outward because there are so many lost souls that have run astray that must be retrieved back from the kingdom of destruction. I pray that as we go out in this day to serve him, our king and our lord, may we take note of those four hashtags of the kingdom, conduct. And of course there are so many, but these ones for a start, they can drive us in this month and the Lord will use us. But may I remind you, this is not your home. You are a child of God. Jim Reeves said this because he had captured the mindset principle. He said <clears throat> that I have a loving mother just over this low land and I can't expect to stand until I shake her hands. She's waiting there for me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore oh lord you know i have no friend like you if heaven's not my home then lord what will i do the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and i can't feel at home in this world anymore and I can't 
feel at home in this world anymore. Yes, Lord, this world is not our home. We know that you are our King, our Lord. Thank you for having saved us from the eternal wrath of the Father. But Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning with all sincerity that many are times that we have fallen back. Many are the times that we have failed to comprehend the kingdom conduct principles. Mm -hmm. Lord, we are sorry. Forgive us, Lamb of God. And we ask you this morning, will you empower us? Continue to redeem our wills, our souls, our hearts, our minds, our bodies from any form of corruption. We are contaminated every day as we move and interact with the world. Jesus, you know, we are in the world. As much as we are not of the world, but we are in the world. And so we need more of your protection and provision. Discharge an army from your throne. Angels who are the ministers who watch over your children to watch over us. Lord, protect us so that at the end of our course, we will be qualifying citizens of the kingdom. And that when you come to fully operate in shape and space in this world, that we will be qualifying competent. Our names will be found in the book of life. Lord, restore us from the stings of sin. Restore us, Lamb of God. Help us to operate on the kingdom principles which you have provided in the name of Lord God the Father, Lord God the Son, and Lord God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.